Welcome to the Gridiron Show. Week four is in the book. So Matt Sherry and Ollie Hunter join me, Will Gavin, as we look back on week four and we talk about quarterbacks coming in starting lineup, suspensions being reduced, and plenty more to get our teeth into. This is the Gridiron Show in association with touchdown trips getting you in the game. I just remembered we don't normally do an intro on the beginning, early part of the week anymore because normally I have the, the highlights from, uh, from the week that we've stolen from TalkSport. But I forgot to do it, Ollie Hunter. Do you do that? I didn't know that. Yeah, I've just been putting... It's good to know you listen back. Well, you know... No, I don't listen back either. always listen back. Da- download. Somebody who listens back and writes copious notes on my own performance, I obviously have heard that multiple times. G- great work, mate. Well done. Thanks. Felt like you really wanted to pound the back for that. That's dedication. Uh, this is the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips getting you in the game. We are just a month away from going off to the States for our amazing Gridiron Deep South Tour. Cannot wait. Yeah, I mean, is it four weeks tomorrow? Today? Is it four weeks today? For four it- weeks today for me. Yeah, you it, guys go a couple of days after me. Yeah, we go at the weekend, but it's a month away from our first game, Colts at Texans, the return of Andrew Luck, as it'll probably end up being by that point. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, then we've got 10 cracking days with the fans and New Orleans and LSU and Carolina games and, and oh, we're going to have to watch the Dallas. Dolphins, which is a shame, but Falcons-Cowboys, what a 10 days it's going to be. Yeah, man. Whoa. It's so bizarre. I can't believe it. Why have you suddenly started shouting? I don't know. I got excited. You, you've suddenly gone very distorted, Ollie. I don't know. <laughs> we record, this is what happens when we record a podcast at eight in the morning. It all starts to fall apart insanely quickly. Uh, we're doing this Wednesday. It's kind of become a, a bit difficult to do the Monday show because uh, by the time we're all finished doing our various work on a Monday morning... Uh, we all basically spend all day Monday sleeping and then going back to work again. So uh, I apologise that these podcasts haven't been coming out till Wednesday, but what we'll do is we'll get into the big news and we'll talk about some of the big games from the weekend, but we might not touch on every single game. I did have a Bills fan, at BP on Twitter, uh, who was tweeting us after the games at the weekend saying, does this now mean you'll give the Bills some more love on the podcast? I think we will give them a huge amount of love, to be honest, when we get to it. Oh. I, I think the I think there'd be a top three to four team in, in any power rankings that I put together at the moment. Wow, so I think that's, that's I think that's wow. steep. That is steep. Going into Atlanta and winning is the best win of the season by any team so far. Even so, with the injuries, come. even with you know all the kind of extenuating circumstances. Absolutely, given what we thought Atlanta were in terms of the quality of team that they are, without without question. I still think Atlanta are that team, by the way. I want to make that clear. Yeah, and so do I. And I think that the Bills are, are literally one player from being 4-0. That's, that's outstanding. 4-0 with a really tough schedule on the road to Carolina, on the road to Atlanta. Fair enough to beat the Jets. And they beat another team at home who I can't think of at the moment. Does anybody have that? Denver. Yeah, the big Denver as well. Yeah. They've, they've had a great Just start to the there. season. We have to give them that love. Uh, they're 3-1, and one, as are the Falcons now at this point. And we've talked about that game now. So, well done, guys. And they're top 
of the AFC East as well. Amazing. Absolutely. Uh, let's, and, let's... and will be for a long time if Sunday's performance continues from the, from the periods. Right, let's uh, let's crack on. We, we we've touched on the bills. There you go, BPM. I hope that you're happier with that now. Uh, and we're and we've given them some love. Good defensive front. Very impressive win uh, the weekend. Uh, I want to talk about and I want to kick off by talking about Monday Night Football. Actually, to be fair, that's the wrong music. This is the music we should. I was really hoping that you two would keep going and I'd fade the music out. You, you were on to me. You're wise to my games. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs ran out 29-20 to 20 winners over Washington. Um, uh, obviously, that was, if you've not seen the game, uh, the, they beat the spread thanks to a last-minute Justin Houston defensive touchdown. And also in the process... Uh, they're in our live league, the one that uh, my wife actually has a team in. She lost her fantasy game where she was winning by two points and lost by two points because her opponent had the Chiefs defense. So they ruined betting. They ruined fantasy. Uh, but all in all, the Chiefs, are, are we finally ready to give Alex Smith a bit of love? I think uh, he is he's someone who... That seems to have added the deep ball to his game, got them completely... Uh, the, the drive that with a minute left, with 40 seconds left, to get them down the field for that game-winning buck-kick-a-field goal was incredible. I, I You know, the, uh, this Chiefs team deserve the love they're going to be getting for being 4-0. Alex Smith made two great throws, didn't he? The one down the sideline on the final drive, and there was one on third and nine to Travis Kelsey in the in the first half down the scene that I thought was an unbelievable throw as well. It's great to see him open it up a little bit. I mean, I, I still have huge doubts about whether he can sustain it in cold weather down the stretch and whether that'll continue in the playoffs when things get a bit tighter. But for me, the Chiefs, I, I could look at it two ways in that the 4-0, they've looked very good largely. The only thing I would say is it's not like they've really put teams away at any point. I think they've been in Week one was a close game. I'm I'm blanking on week three because I know they played Philadelphia in week two and beat them in Chargers. a really close game. They Chargers, the Chargers. The Chargers also they didn't put away. That was just a seven-point game all the way until the very end. And then last week again. So they're playing in a lot of close games, which I think you can look at two ways. One, it'll eventually catch up with them and they'll start to lose some of the close games. Two, they are battle-hardened for the kind of games that they're going to see in the playoffs. And I think you take from that whatever you want to take from it based on what your perspective is. But the Chiefs have looked really impressive. Well-rounded team. The only thing I would say is I, is I thought Kirk Cousins was, was really bad in this game outside of the big players, particularly early. I thought there were a few times on third down where the Chiefs basically third and medium, third and short, gifted him a first down and he just didn't make the throw. So I think that is what you see with Kirk Cousins. The stat line was great. It was overall a good performance. But to go and win in place like Kansas City on the road, you need to be really good on third down. 
I, I sometimes like... I sometimes forget, Matt Sherry, that the king of hyperbole goes in both directions. Kirk Cousins wasn't really bad in this game. He was up and down in this game, and he had he a was. few and he had a few great moments. I think what you're, what, I, what you're saying I, I is say... people have got overexcited by the performance, and they're turning around and going, "Kirk Cousins is back. This is him at his best." Is that he left some throws out on the field? Absolutely, but I, but I, I think you're overstating it. To say he was really bad. Yeah, possibly, but he left them out in the field in really key spots, and also, if he, outside of the really big plays, I thought his overall level of performance was was average to below average. I just, I can just remember with Kirk Cousins, we need to judge him through the lens of being the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. No, we me, don't. I, I, we absolutely don't have to judge him through that lens. That's exactly the lens we shouldn't be judging him through. I completely disagree. We should be judging him based on uh, what he does in the scheme now that they've lost their offensive coordinator. And I think overall, the last two weeks, they've played at a, ve- a good high level. Oh, Washington are a better uh, team than we thought they were. And I think Cousins is easily above the middle line of quarterbacks and, and, and borderline. As, as I, but I can completely understand why Washington... I. I Situations like last night make me understand why there's trepidation to give him the contract that he wants because ultimately he is this guy. He looks really good. He has a good performance, but you could nitpick the performance in that. In the big spots, he doesn't make the throws. And I, I think that the, that Washington could have moved the ball all night on the Chiefs. They ran the ball well all night. They got into third and short situations. They basically did everything right except for convert a couple of third downs into first downs, that would have been a win. Washington, to me, have been the most surprising team in the NFL. One of the best five teams we've seen in the NFL this season. Really impressive. Cousins has been a big, uh, been a part of that. But you can see, for me, why there's a reluctance around him to give him that contract that he wants. Because, And maybe I'm just looking for stuff, but ultimately I see a guy who is good but is still not making that step up and making the players he needs to make to be great. I, th- I, think, he's, I about... think he is an above-average quarterback, and so they are I. hard to find in the NFL. And you talk about the, uh, the, the not conversing on the third downs. What was weird for me, and I don't know whether it was the Chiefs made them play like that, but when Washington played the Raiders, they used Chris Thompson in a way, uh, in that, such a gadget way a Tevin Coleman-esque way in uh, getting him the ball on third down um, out of the backfield or little swing passes swing routes using him as a receiver and that wasn't evident uh, against the Chiefs and I, I don't know whether that was a game place yeah I think the Chiefs did scenario, a, better, a, be- a better job of shutting that down um, and also, they, they struggled to run the ball. Rob Kelly went out of the game, and Samaje P. Ryan's a guy people were very excited about coming into the league, but through four weeks hasn't done anything to justify that hype. I, I, thought, I thought he looked good this, this game, with, with the exception of the ridiculous fumble out of bounds. Like, I, I thought he had a good game. Well, one final thing I would want to say. I, this, to me, was a, a really great game between two very good teams. And Can we slack off Jay Gruden? Ex- this is extreme nitpicking, the stuff that I've said. But ultimately, I'm judging these teams through the lens of these are two teams that could go deep in the playoffs based on what we've seen so far. These are the things that they're going to need to improve on down the season. And I'm sure they will. I mean, the Cousins throw to Josh Doxson in the end zone, which ultimately would have won them the game, was an unbelievably good throw that the wide receiver has to come down with. So there was good and bad. The, the point I'm making is just little bits that I spotted in the game. and I, I, I thought Washington controlled and dominated the game 
largely, and that some of those were the reasons why they didn't come up with the win. Did uh, did did you watch the game live, you guys? No, yeah. I watched it in complete full the next morning. So, so, so you will have watched the the full version with the commentary and with John Gruden at the before the game tying field goal, spending five or six seconds heaping praise on his baby brother for not taking the time out, not giving Alex Smith the time to vitriculate the ball down the field and potentially get a game-winning field goal, giving him all the love in the world, and then Jay Gruden taking a timeout five seconds later and John Gruden just falling deadly silent. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it to was, be honest, though, it was, it was another example of Andy, Andy Reid massively fumbling his clock management because that field goal should have been kicked with no time left on the clock. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You say that, but, but you say that, but it's Andy Reid's. Uh, that I don't think so. I think they went ahead with three, three forty, three forty-five left, and you, you know, in that situation, all you can do is try and get a defensive stop if they're going to go for a four-minute drill and do it well, and you no, don't I'm, get I'm the on, defensive I, stop. I don't think that's I'm, Andy Reid's clock management. And the fact is, is that this is a game where normally I'm on Andy Reid for his terrible clock management, but his team got ahead. They had four minutes. They needed a defensive stop. That's not clock management issues. No, that's not that's not the one I'm talking about. I'm talking about the game winning field goal. The, there was then a kickoff and a return for Washington after the game winning field goal. Oh, with that last eight and, seconds. And, I, I think. Yeah, eight, I'm, I'm, I don't think you can have a dig about eight seconds. You can have a dig if they'd have returned if they'd have returned the kickoff for a touchdown. I'm fairly certain Kansas City had at least one time out in their pockets. Just run it down to five seconds, and you've won the game. With the field goal, if they'd have returned the kickoff for a touchdown, or if they'd have had a miracle final play, then you then it's it's awful. You've got to look at little things like that. I've seen kickoffs returned for game-winning touchdowns before it happens. You've got to protect against that. I think that's extreme nitpicking from the. It, it's not extreme nitpicking. Yeah, no, it is. No, it definitely is. You so, are. So if they'd have returned the touchdown, we, we've, we've, we've got one. We've got one absolutely horrendous example of clock management from Jay Gruden, and one. Where you've put given your the opposition a 0.001 percent chance of maybe doing something miraculous, and that's the one Let, you're choosing to pick on. Let's check it out after the game. But if they had a timeout in the pocket, all that they needed to do was stop the ball, nail down, and then it's a guaranteed win if they make the field goal. If you're telling me that's nitpicking, it's nonsense. It's it's winning the game and making sure you win the game. Right, let's talk about the news from around the league and then we'll get into a few of the other games from the weekend. Uh, And there's two big bits of news we need to get into. The first is, how on earth has Danny Trevathan's suspension been reduced to one game? Well, this was the the big annoyance with with the whole... I think we need to hear from Ollie Hunter on this, because... That's unreal. As a Green Bay fan, I would be livid. I am livid, because potentially Devontae Adams could have been out for the season we've seen other players especially in the green bay organization um uh, what's his face the cornerback he was out for a, a, a whole season then got released for concussion and this was so clear uh, an act of barbarism uh and uh, such a cheap shot and it, it was it was one of the worst plays that you'll see i've shown it to people that don't even like football and they're like, oh, and and they they said so. He was he, he got a red card, right? These <laughs> soccer loving people, but you know what I mean. 
He he was he wasn't even ejected from the game, is, and is, now he's only missing in one game. It's ridiculous. Sherry, is is Derek Brooks the right man to be ruling on these things? <laughs> Absolutely not, I would say. <laughs> but I mean, it's um, it is just a bit of a joke. I mean, this is why people got so annoyed when the Brady suspension, for example, wasn't reduced because everybody knows this process is a farce where they basically always reduce the suspensions. But it just looks terrible. Uh, and it was it's stunning to me. I mean, I thought that the two games was was lenient, if anything. So particularly when he's not been one, particularly when ridiculous. he's not been removed from the game already. So you're yeah. talking about he should be missing an extra half a game for that anyway. Yeah, and, and the need to the need to implement. I mean, you just with with everything we know now about head injuries and and the way that's continuing to develop into a huge story. It's like this needs to be outlawed and there needs to be a message sent when it's so blatant and so so dangerous. I mean, you say it could have been out for the season. They, these could be career-ended hits. Yeah. They really could. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's not the only news out of Chicago, of course, from the last two days. Uh, as last night, Thursday night football um, was was a, a tough evening for one uh, one Mike Lennon, and now the the basically only Patrick Mahomes from the first round quarterbacks will be left not as a starter come the end of the next week because Mitchell Trubisky is going into the game against the Baltimore Ravens. Thinking against our Baltimore player Auckland. Oh, the article says the Baltimore Ravens, but uh, aren't they playing? And isn't he playing Monday Night Football against the Vikings? Yeah, it's Monday Night yeah, Football against the Vikings. Vikings. Oh, they've got. I tell you, what, it's the Ravens in Week Six. That's why Ravens in Week Six. NFL dot com have got that wrong. I might send a little note. Let them know. Monday Night Football. You do that, Will, against the Vikings. So, oh, basically, they're like, let's put Mitchell Trubisky in against that Vikings defence, and then a Ravens defence, which they'll have Brandon Williams back by that point, so should be back to somewhere like the level they were weeks one and two. It's, it's a baptism of fire, but ultimately that, that is the, the life of an NFL quarterback. For me, you, the opponents are ultimately meaningless. The only question that you need to ask yourself is, does he give you a better chance to win than Mike Glennon does? And I mean... Ollie Hunter at, at five foot nothing probably would do that at the moment. So <laughs> I, I think, I that's think a, yeah, that's I think. harsh on so many levels. Ollie is at least five foot six, and he has a cannon. I tell you that for nothing. Oh yeah, I know that. I've seen it in action. It's it's wonderful to watch and and, and more accuracy than Mike Leonard, I'd suggest. So um, yeah, I mean it, it makes sense to me. It, it, it makes sense, but it should have happened. I mean, probably before the season, but certainly. It certainly should have happened before the Green Bay game. I think we all knew the right was on the wall at that point. And I, I like the idea of putting the rookie in, in a big spot in a in a tough situation. I'd love to have seen him at Lambeau for the first game because you played a rival. It's it's you learn a lot about them. So yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. What I'm hearing, provided they've looked at practice and thought that he, he's ready. What I'm hearing is yet again another example of Matt Sherry throwing one of us into a game based situation. Uh, Ollie, I think Sherry's desperate for a gridiron flag football team. <laughs> he is desperate for a gridiron flag football team. Where would Liam um, Gallagher, Liam Gallagher, Liam Bradford? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Liam Gallagher wants to come and play for the team. Then fine, we'll probably sell some subscriptions. Um, I did probably would then actually, yeah. I, 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 Should we approach him? 
what I'd ask Liam Gallagher, you're promoting a new album. How do you feel about coming and playing some NFL? <laughs> I imagine he'd say some incredibly rude things. Yeah, I don't like that. I've yeah. already had one Gallagher tell me to do one. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's uh, try it out. So, sorry, that's a story we need to hear. Is it David Gallagher? No, no Gallagher. <laughs> what did he tell once, you to do? What? I once, um, I was working at Talk Sport on the phones about five years ago. And um, he was in touring in Brazil. And at the time I was married to a Brazilian and I thought, oh, I'll, uh, I'll have a little chat with no- Noel Gallagher because he was just about to come on the show. Um, so I was just chatting away and I said, oh, I, I, t- I asked him something. Um, I, I gave him a bit of Portuguese advice in Portuguese, and he went F- off, mate. And then, then that was it. <laughs> he is a well. They are both absolute tools, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I have been told to do yeah by by Noel Gallagher. Brilliant. Sorry, love that. Absolutely. He's a xenophobe as much as he is a great songwriter. Uh, yeah. Uh, allegedly uh on the songwriting not on the xenophobia he's definitely that <laughs> and the other one is uh the, the other bit of big quarterback news because it was a, a week laden with injuries and we'll get back into some of this week's games here brandon whedon has reached a deal with the tennessee titans because you've got a mobile quarterback you love to run the ball you love bootleg therefore colin kaepernick definitely not an option this could be the uh, this could be the decision that ultimately ends. I, I, I know he's not making the decision, but that performance last week should should put Mike Malarkey firmly on the hot seat anyway. But if the Titans are going to finish less than eight and eight this year, then you've got to think that they're finally going to get a viable head coach. So maybe it's the GM just trying to trying to oust himself from the situation of having to keep Mike Malarkey in charge. Let's talk about that game then in Houston, 57-14. And uh, Deshaun Watson, four touchdowns through the air, one on the ground as well. And not only did, was he, did he look incredibly impressive and they got Lamar Miller going and DeAndre Hopkins, who we've talked about before, a man who doesn't get separation, was thrown open on a number of occasions by Deshaun Watson. Uh, this was... This is one of those performances where, uh, you know, sometimes a rookie can be flattered by a performance uh, because the other team was so bad. This was just a genuinely great piece of quarterbacking. And coming a week after, a very, very good quarterbacking performance against the Patriots. Uh, I I know we can get a little overexcited four games into a season, but I am buying big on Deshaun Watson. No, oh, yeah, else's. I, I, nobody else well, is no, no, just no. me. <laughs> I was waiting for to, for Sherry to customarily uh, butt in over and across me, so no, I was I giving him. I tried to butt in. It's just hard to do, isn't it? So I thought I'll leave this one to Ollie. And then... no, it, no, no, Sherry, you're you're a great guy, and it is hard to know. But <laughs> two hundred eighty-three yards, as you said, full touchdowns. The the rushing TD as well, and that rushing TD, there was um, there weren't there weren't shades of Lev Bell and waiting, but he re- recognised where the space was and went into it. And when you when you say it like that, it seems really obvious. But a lot of running backs don't understand that. Don't understand about changing the play in front of you and then moving into the space. So that in itself was 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 excellent running. And yeah, the way he's marshalling his offensive line and 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 directing his receivers, I just think it was a really really good performance. He's doing this, of course, without a, a viable 
good tight end. Will Fuller coming back, I think, is huge. Two touchdowns, receiving touchdowns on the day. That just allows uh, more space for DeAndre Hopkins and Lamar Miller as well. So I just thought it was a really good offensive performance. And you could say, if it wasn't for the Hurricane, was it Irma or Maria? One of those. If it wasn't for the Hurricane and the way that they had to play that game with all the emotion against the Jaguars in, re- in week one. Um, and that clearly affected them. The Tex and they had Tom Savage under centre. The Texans could be f- 4-0 and because they or, played or, brilliantly or, or in Foxborough. Or 3-1. Oh, or, yeah, I guess they did play brilliantly in Foxborough. Uh, for, yeah, they should have beat the period. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, so they, they, could, they could be 4-0. Can we, can we just say... Week, can we just say poor Dick LeBeau? No 80-year-old man deserves to be beaten about like he was on Sunday. The thing is as well, Dick LeBeau's calling card was always was always um, coordinated against rookie quarterbacks as well. So, yeah, it's a, it, it, it wasn't a good day for Tennessee at all. It, I mean, Tennessee and the Jaguars now are just suddenly looking like the same team, which is a good team on their day who are just going to be plagued by inconsistency. And I would say that week to week I have, so much more faith in the Texans and the Texans coaching staff than I do. I mean, you've got to think as well, that was a, a, an in-division game coming off a, a really gut-wrenching loss against the Patriots and also their first game back in that building since laying an egg on that emotionally charged opening day. That was a really outstanding performance all round from the Texans. And Yeah, I mean, I think that defence will improve massively as the season goes on as well and become the unit that we thought there would be before the season, especially once Zach Cunningham gets settled as the as the middle linebacker. So I think the arrow's pointing massively up for the Texans and I, and I could see them. I, I definitely think they're, they're in kind of the top three to four teams who I think are, are going to be competing for the AFC. Well, it'd be great if the two best teams in the AFC, and I'm calling them uh, the Texans and the Chiefs, what would be great is if they played each other kind of soonish. Yeah, that would be good. If Wouldn't they played play each other kind of soonish and it was live on TalkSport. Well, that, that that would be amazing. Yeah. Well, I don't know where, whether that's going to happen. Well, maybe we'll find out on Friday's preview pod. Um, the the, <laughs> uh, the Texans should have won in Foxborough, and that means the Patriots should be zero and three in Foxborough. Unicorns, show ponies. Where's the beef? There was no Zolak on Sunday night as the Panthers ran out thirty-three to thirty winners. Graham Gano hitting the winning. 48-yard field goal as time expired. And I think, look, Matt Sherry, we've been talking about each week that the improvements need to happen on the defensive side of the ball. And we all believe in Bill Belichick. Of course we do. And we all believe in that coaching staff, etc., etc., etc. But I don't have a time in living memory where even after four weeks, I was looking going, but I haven't seen it happen I've I've seen nothing to suggest yet that it's happening. It's got worse. I mean, Sunday was the worst yet. It was just incredible to watch. I mean, Cam Newton's performance in numbers look good, but and this is I've made a lot of comments along these lines. I genuinely could have completed a lot of the passes he did in this game because there was just there there were players where there was literally half of the field completely wide open. We can't all play quarterback on our flag football team, Matt Sherry. (laughs) That, that is a great point. Um, I have no arm whatsoever, but, so that's fine. I won't be playing uh, quarterback. Ollie, Ollie definitely would have completed them. But, yeah, I mean, it was just, it's miscommunication again. And to me, it comes down to coaching. I mean, it's just got to get a whole lot better. And 
I mean, a couple of things went against them in this game. The, the, the referees were awful in this game, and and it was really lopsided where the Patriots had a load of penalties and the Panthers had one, and some of them were ludicrous, including the final drive in which the Panthers would have punted back to the Patriots because they got a sack on third down, and there was a really soft hands to the first penalty on Stefan Gilmore, who at the moment has been the worst side of the off-season because he... He's at the centre of most of the communication breakdowns. He gave up two penalties on third down for hands to the face in this game. And yeah, it's just it's just bad. And it, it, it really is an awful time to have to go and play in Tampa Bay. It's, it's, a bit, it, it, it's not a make or break game because they'll get to the playoffs whether they win or lose on Thursday, I think. But it's the kind of game that will tell you a lot about the team. And, and I'm going to watch it with great interest because for now it's just been... It's been awful, and, and had they won the game, which they very nearly did, it would have been, much like last week, a victory that they, that they really didn't deserve. And look, you mentioned Tampa Bay. They came out 25-23 winners over the winless Giants. This isn't a game we need to talk about a huge amount, but quarterbacks have been getting healthy in terms of form against the Patriots. Jameis Winston, 332 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, which for him is a rarity any week, uh, and, and was throwing, you know, bombs to Cameron Bray. He had some occasions like the O.J. Howard touchdown where there was just a completely blown coverage. But, yeah, I look forward to Thursday night football. I know we normally do this at the end of the podcast, but there's part of me that goes, Patriots could come out of Thursday 2 and 3. And, uh, in fact, there's part of me that's thinking about back in the books this week. I think there should be a big part of you thinking about it. I mean, the only reason you'd back the Patriots is based on, on the history of the Patriots and the fact that in these spots, they're generally... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see them lose by 14 points this week, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them win by 21. But that's largely based on their history. Like, they've often come out and just turned it around and blown it up in these big games. But based on it, for me, this week is, is all about just getting a win one way or another for the Patriots. They need to get through this week, have 10 days after that to try and recalibrate again. And and that's the huge element. But whether they can do that remains to be seen. I don't have huge confidence by any stretch. And, uh, uh, it's, um, not only do you, do you have that Thursday night game, then you get to go to the Jets, who suddenly are, are winning football games. Two in a row, beating the, the Jags. But you have to say, this that was a game where, again, not when we need to talk about in too much depth, Ollie Hunter, but you were watching it with me at TalkSport while we had it live. And a game where... The Jags relied on two massive defensive plays in order to keep them in it when Blake Bortles wasn't playing well. But maybe more concerningly, the Jags defense that was so good in against the Texans and so good against the Ravens, when coming up against a half-decent run game, they left some really big plays on the field. I'm concerned about their linebacker play. Um, and we got a roller coaster of a team in the Jags and, and, a, and a team in the Jets who are just on the up and up. Yeah, the Jets are doing a real Jetsy job of tanking for for the number one draft pick, aren't they? I mean, th- yeah, the, the Jets aren't who we think thought they were, and the Jags, we've got no idea what they are. I think they are encapsulated entirely their defense and that linebacking core by that Bilal Powell seventy-five or so yard touchdown where he falls over, everyone stops. It's like a lack of concentration. Powell gets up, gets right back up, and, and sprints for the touchdown. That is the Jags' defense in in one there because they just 
they just dropped the ball. And it seemed like coming off of that massive mauling of the of the Ravens that they were a bit complacent and they thought, Do you know what, the Jets aren't very good. We'll go in there, we'll beat them, then we'll we'll have a bit of time off, a bit of rest until we go back down to um, to Jacksonville again. So no, they go to the Steelers, don't they? But you know, I, the Jags are a strange team that I can't really get um, my head around. And I think being as rudderless on offense as they are, with Blake Bortles uh, not even directing what they're doing, they're just—it's—it's it's a bizarre situation in Jacksonville. Leonard Fournette did have a good game, twenty-nine touches overall, and that's what they want to be doing. But there were just a few Blake Bortles moments, Sherry. Just. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, they the, the, the massively paid the price for the ridiculous decision in the off-season not to sign another quarterback because they clearly don't want to put Chad Henney in. But he, he, Bortles at this point is is a complete draft bust that is basically unsalvageable. And, and, and it was fairly clear in overtime that they had little interest in attempting to win the game. I mean, it was it was ridiculous to watch. Like, they're the classic young, talented team who week to week will be awful and brilliant because they're just not going to be consistent because they're not disciplined enough to be consistent. Yeah, so. the, con- the, the concern on that defensive side of the ball for me is that in Miles Jack and Telvin Smith, they've got two guys who in coverage I really like. They're very quick, but they just can't seem to stop the run. And so when they bring in Aaron Colvin uh, and they play nickel, which they're doing a huge amount of the time as every team in the NFL is doing, it's, it's uh, uh, the base package basically on defences nowadays, when you take Paul Bozlozny out, there just is no run defense past the past the first level. And if somebody breaks off, somebody breaks past the line, then they're gone. As so often it's happening. It's they've had three or four of these runs now. So some concerns for the Jags. There's a game we've not touched on yet, and it's ridiculous we've not talked about this game yet because it was one of the games of the week, and the LA Rams going into Dallas and getting a 35 to 30 win over the Cowboys. The kind of two big talking points from this game that I think need, I really want to talk, touch on. The first one is the Rams offense, Jared Goff, Sean McVay. I, I you know, I was, I loved, I loved Sean McVay in Washington and he just shows that the right coordinator and just the right couple of tweaks of talent. Andrew Whitworth's been a brilliant signing. He's only let up one quarterback hurry all season from left tackle. You know, they only needed a couple of tweaks and suddenly they look great. And, and they're doing what Washington did in terms of those those overlapping route concepts where they've got... It looks all very complicated, but actually, from a Reed's perspective, it's very, very simple. And it's what made Kirk Cousins look so good in Washington, and it's what's making Jared Goff look so good in L.A. And yes, it helps when you've got uh, Greg the Leg hitting seven consecutive field goals, but I-, I was really, really impressed with the Rams offensively. Whereas, actually, with Dallas... I'm not suggesting that they're a bad team offensively, but they are nowhere near the heights of last season at the moment. Yeah, not even not even close to being it. Are they? I mean, I think it was a tale of, of a team heading one way and another another basically heading another. And the Cowboys' defense, I think, is was always going to be problematic, but they've managed to find a, a stud pass rusher in the off season. Probably the guy who's been the defensive MVP so far. So. So that's concerning, but I think the story is, as you said, the Rams. I mean, what Sean McVay's doing is is absolutely incredible. I mean, the genius tag was thrown around, and and I thought that 
was obviously a bit over the top, but he started amazingly well there, especially, I mean, what were our expectations for this team? They weren't that high, and yeah, they, they, they play Seattle on, on Sunday, which is hugely What's exciting that? now. I mean, who would have thought we'd say how excited we were at that game? And hopefully, you would assume if the fans are ever going to turn out in the Coliseum, it's for that game because it, it looks it looks really interesting now. The only thing I would say is, and it's with all these teams with younger head coaches who've really impressed us, so the Bills, the Rams, Denver as well, is you generally see head coaches get off to a good start and then the league starts to get a feel for what they're doing in the schemes and, and it tails off. So I think it bears watching over the rest of the mm-hmm. year, but what what McVeigh's managed to do with Todd Gurley in particular, to me, is right up there in the MVP conversation at the moment. I think he's on course for 1,500 rushing yards, 1,000 receiving yards. That has been the thing that has really impressed me, as well as, obviously, Jared Goff. But he is a guy where people think he's a quarterback whisperer. But Gurley as well looks great, and I think the arrow's pointing firmly up for the Rams. By the way... Four days like no other. A festival like no other. For a bookmaker like no other. Betfred. Get up to £40 in free bets when you sign up using promo code CHELP40 and stake £10 on any Cheltenham race. Betfred. At the heart of Cheltenham. 18 plus. New UK customers only. Available from March 6th to March 13th. £30 free bets credited within 10 hours of first bet settlement. Extra £10 free bets credited if first bet loses. Full terms at betfred.com slash promotions. Keep it fun. BeGambleAware.org. Hazel Irvin here, and I'm at Mammoth Insurance in Leeds, where Kate has arranged an office chair race to fundraise for sport relief. And these riders have got their kit on. They are rearing to go. And they're off, taking an early lead and smashing injustice right out of the park. It's Daphne from Accounting, riding the spreadsheet demon chair. Up comes Nina from HR on Beat Me and You're Fired, closely followed by Mark from Marketing on the 9 to 5 chair. Even Javid from Health and Safety's at it, weaving his clipboard like crazy. Go easy there, Javid. We don't want any injuries, fella. And from nowhere, it's Jenny on El Chero Loco, rolling right over poverty to cross the line first. And the crowd goes loco. Unbelievable. You can help change the world too. Just get your exclusive Sport Relief merchandise at Janeiro's Sainsbury's. Sport Relief. It's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast. Something we didn't mention when we talked about the Chiefs earlier, Kareem Hunt. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. is oh, on? He's on course for a two thousand six hundred yard all purpose season. Two thousand of those on the ground, and he's only the fourth player in NFL history to go over a hundred yards for his first four games as a rookie. Adrian Peterson <laughs> is one. Ladanian Tomlinson is another. And I can't remember who the third was. But it's a pretty impressive list to be part of, either way. He's better than Zeke Elliott was last, you know, this time last year, or his first four games last year. It's, Kareem Hunt has made that Chiefs offense tick, uh, along with Tyreek Hill. They're really fun to watch. Travis Kelsey as well. I love watching the Chiefs. But um, going back to the Rams, I think it's great that you mentioned Whitworth there because he's really stitching that all that whole thing together. And with Demarcus Lawrence on the other side for the Cowboys, he was pretty much stuffed. I think it's it six, seven sacks he's had over the first three games. Seven and a half, isn't it? Overall, yeah, and overall in in the first in these four games, and that's what 
Matt Sherry was alluding to, that he is the defensive player of the year so far, but couldn't really get anything going. And also, we saw that the Cowboys, without Sean Lee, who was inactive for this game, and we've mentioned it before, but he is so key for them to, to do anything. And if they can sort out his, or he can sort out his injury problems, they're a better team. But without him, they they look, as uh, Matt Sherry would say, they're the arrow's pointing firmly down. Uh, just to confirm, the other one uh, was Billy Sims, uh, who had a chance of being a Hall of Fame running back before that horrendous <laughs> knee injury. So we're yeah. talking about four all-time great rookie seasons and Kareem Hunt's having one of them. Um, yeah. Just a couple of games to strike off before we get on to some nice, tight divisional games. Hey, guys, there's a game in London this weekend. So that happened. Yep. Moving on. Uh, the Bengals beat the Browns. They're now 0-4. So, I don't want to talk about that, mate. That happened. I'm so sad about that. So sad. That, uh, is, that is really the thing that's, that's, in the early part of the season, upset me the most. Um, Do you know what it's like, the, the, the Bengals and the Browns, and the Browns especially? It's like when you've got someone who's either ill in the family, or if you've ever seen The Beach, and where yeah. that guy gets really sick, and they leave him out to, to die in in the in the wood and you can just hear him screaming every so often but everyone ignores it that's how i feel about the browns i don't really want to talk about it because it i i want to just just banish it from my mind uh, while i'm so, doing the, while i'm dark. doing while i'm doing the games we have to gloss over so the cardinals and 49ers don't like touchdowns uh oh, god yeah that was that was awful wasn't even more awful by the fact that when the Cardinals needed a touchdown to avoid tying the game. They just got one. Why can't you do that earlier in the yeah, game? You, and, and the mo- most what amazing, the most amazing part of that, because let's ignore the first sixty minutes, but the overtime, right? The 49ers put together an incredible seven-and-a-half-minute drive, <laughs> which almost ate the entire of the overtime clock, settled for a field goal, and then it took the Cardinals all of a minute and ten seconds to win the game. <laughs> yeah, didn't it? It was Ellington and Brown, one of the Browns, Jerron or John, uh, I never know which. But um, You never know which Brown. Just, no, which Brown? Four, I think it was pretty much four plays, marching back down the field, and then the throw to uh, Larry Fitzgerald who finds himself open but that was a great throw throw it was a very good catch but you know it was it it kind of summed up the game that the only touchdown on the only touchdown to one of the greatest receivers we've ever seen um he gets injured on it or he gets really really shook up which I hope he's okay but because he is he is pretty much their offense at the moment but yeah what a weird what a weird game the 49ers are either not as bad as we thought, or the Cardinals are worse than we thought, or a bit of both. I don't know. Can, if um, if, if Larry Fitzgerald but... retires at the end of this season, there is a conversation for him as a top three all-time wide receiver. He's definitely top five. The guy is incredible. I love him. Can, can I just ask you, Will? Um, do I, do I have years... to answer? That's the question. Yeah. I mean, it's up to you, ultimately. I can't force you to do anything, <laughs> but... Um, Great point. The last three games are basically perfect for the 49ers, aren't they? Like, you've been competitive in every one. You've lost the ball, so you're still heavily in the mix for the first overall pick, but still looking like a viable team week to week outside of the opener. There was a great um, uh, article online I was reading. Um, uh, it, uh, um, 
an interview with uh, with a Q&A with the ESPN writer who covers the Bay Area. Um, And he was just taking twist questions or whatever and wrote them up. Um, And the person was like, why is Carl Shanahan not getting the same stick that Chip Kelly was getting, that Jim Tom Sula was getting, yada, yada, yada. And he just said, this is the best terrible team I have seen. Uh, So, and I think that kind of, we know it's rebuilding. They've been given six years. So... I, as long as we win maybe one game, two games this year, so we don't have one of those 0-16 seasons, I'm fine with it. I am genuinely fine with it. We're not ruining a rookie quarterback. We're not demoralising anyone. We've got younger at every position. It's not a problem. Right. Let's, uh, let's get into... There were two, three other big, um, big uh, rivalries within division. The one to maybe gloss over a little bit is Steelers-Ravens. Uh, because if you didn't believe that Brandon Williams was as important as we kept telling you he was since last year's Super Bowl when we first spoke to him, uh, it's become so apparent over the last two weeks. Um, And the Steelers, uh, actually, you know, for all of your dislike of Ben Roethlisberger, uh, slightly, uh, you know, maybe becoming a bit recurrent, Matt, they have been lucky, the Steelers, over these past four weeks to get teams at the right moments. They're 3-1 and one without having at any point played really well. Uh, but sometimes that's exactly what you need, and then you've got a chance at a run at the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the positive. If they were 4-0, which they should be, having, having lost to Chicago, um, then it would be even better. But yeah, sometimes it is all about just grinding out the wins when you're not at your best. There is a little bit of dissension in the ranks at the moment, though. I mean... Ben Roethlisberger's come out and slammed Antonio Brown. I, I have, I've only seen the headline of this, but I assume it was for Brown's tantrum on the sideline when he was wide open and Roethlisberger didn't throw him the ball. But So I think there's some issues with Pittsburgh, but they haven't played a team that's anything like good enough to exploit them yet. And even when they have played a half-viable team, as you've said, they've played them at the perfect time. So... Yeah, they've been lucky, but ultimately the three and one, and you, you are what your record says you are. Really interesting uh, thoughts from Andy Benoit on that um, on that Antonio Brown uh, tantrum. Uh, he watched the film back and, and looked at the play, and basically, we can never know exactly what a route concept was meant to be unless you ask the coach what play was called and exactly how it was meant to be run. And funnily enough, they don't like answering those questions because it gives that answer to the opposition. But based on what he saw, it looks like Antonio Brown was freelancing when he got open. Now, sometimes when you've got a quarterback and a wide receiver who are so in sync, you can do that and that's great. And then it works and and everyone's like, wow, look at the chemistry they've got. But sometimes he looks over to your side of the field. Your initial route concept isn't going to work because of the coverage you've got. So he looks off you and looks elsewhere. Then if you suddenly manage to freelance into space, he's not looking in your direction. That kind of is a 50-50 in terms of blame. You can't actually blame a quarterback for doing that. And Antonio Brown did not handle that situation well at all. The, the, the good thing for the Steelers at least, well, not for the Steelers, but for everybody else who would like to see them get beat, which is, I'm definitely in that list, Clear. is after, after playing Jacksonville at home, which is a guaranteed win based on what we've seen from the Jaguars on the well, road. No, no, it, I, I think it's exactly the opposite. I think it's it become a coin flip game because we don't know who's going to turn up. Yeah, but uh, my concern with, with the Jaguars is basically they can't play on the road. And I realise Wembley's the road, but they are And, and Houston's the road. 
Yeah, oh, but as yeah, we said, Houston was Houston. Yeah, it was in Houston. It was the first game yeah, after, by the way, Hurricane Harvey. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks. No worries, mate. I, I meant to correct yeah. you at the time and forgot. Maybe, maybe then. The, the, it is more of a coin flip game. Certainly the Steelers are keeping most teams in games at the moment. Um, then they go to Kansas City, home to Cincinnati, at Detroit, and then a bye, and then at the Colts, who should have looked back. And then they round off the season with a schedule that includes a game against Green Bay, against the Patriots and at Houston. So they have got some tougher games on the schedule to come. I'm uh, sorry, I don't think it's a coin flip game. I think the Steelers, I know we'll get into this later on in the week, but the Steelers will be so much better. We know that the Jags' defense is, the rush defense is terrible and Le'Veon Bell really came to play this game. Uh, he's back. Okay, it's taken him four games to get to where he needed to be. But I think with the Steelers' defense being what I predicted it would be, very good. Uh, what you guys didn't predict to be, which is very good. So I just think the, the the Steelers have all the pieces and are going in the right direction. I, I only named Ryan. I only named Ryan Shazier as my surprise All Pro and spent the entire offseason talking about their defense rather than their offense. Well done, I mean, Ollie. You, you made you yourself say a good very. There. You say very good. They they have literally played for the worst offenses in the NFL. They've played the Browns, Minnesota with Case Keenum, the Bears, and the Ravens. I mean. Yeah, yeah, most defences could be very good against right. that level of competition. Four games left to talk about. They're all relevant, so I'm going to make us move on. Lions-Vikings, 14-7. Uh, we talked, there were two points that we made last week uh, in the preview show, and sometimes it's nice to pat yourself on the back when you're right, is that Case Keenum won't be able to repeat that performance two weeks in a row, and the Lions' defence is probably the most underrated unit in the NFL right now based on their performance through the first three weeks, and both came to bear. I mean, yeah, both did come to bear, but aren't the Lions the most boring team in the NFL? One no. of them. They're so dull. <laughs> They're boring, but they win, my friend. Why they are they boring? They, oh, they don't really do anything on offense. Their defense is, is is decent, but it's a bit of a stuffer. I mean, I'm just bored by the Lions. I'm bored by them. Move on for me. You two talk about this. I, I'm sub- I, the only reason that I'm stunned you say you're bored by the Lions, even by, by, maybe based on stylistically, they're not the most enthralling team to watch in the NFL. They are a team who you're almost guaranteed will either find a way to throw it away in the fourth quarter or find a way to dig out a win. Their games tend to end excitingly, if nothing I think else. I think they're a really fun team, the Lions. Like, I'm not going to call them fun. I'm not ready for that. I never think their offense is ex- is explosive as it could be, and I think that might be part of what Ollie's reason is. But but boring. yeah, they're, they're they're a really good team. I think people think they're boring because their head coach is the dullest man on planet Earth. But I think again, we do need to start accepting that he's a good head coach. Uh, I don't and know who's the Lions are, a, are a good team. I feel really sorry for the Vikings. I mean, their defense yeah. has been awesome, and if Bradford played, they could easily be four zero. I mean. It's a real shame, but the fact that the two and two is a positive because their three games have been brutal without Bradford at Pittsburgh, at home to Tampa Bay, and at home to the Lions. So if they can get Bradford back, it's exciting. But how good is the NFC North? That's my main takeaway. Three genuinely good playoff caliber teams in that division. And Green Bay. Uh, Dalvin Cook. <laughs> 
uh, blows his knee out. You could see it the moment it happened. He went down, non-contact, season ender written all over it in that moment. That's my concern. You might get Bradford back this weekend, but I need to see Latavius Murray productive behind that line before I get excited about it because I think the Raiders were set up perfectly for Latavius Murray. I don't think that the Vikings necessarily are. And I'm concerned about the drop-off there. The Raiders! Can, we, can I just make a Vikings prediction? Go on. Adrian Peterson back in Minnesota by week eight. Uh, not going to happen. Not going to happen. Yeah, I'm in agreement with Ollie. I, right. I think it's more likely Adrian Peterson out of the league by week eight. Yeah, I, I'd 100% agree. I just think it would make sense because the, the Saints are going to have to release him at some point. The guy, the, guy is done. the guy is done. Uh, Derek Carr down for between two and six weeks with a fractured back. EJ Manuel comes into the game, made a couple of decent plays, actually. Uh, but the Broncos' defense are not someone who are going to give up many points and many yards at home. They did the same again. And even without... yeah, This was the Broncos as they wanted to be this season. They ran the ball well, you know, put the ball in C.J. Anderson's hands 20 times, got 100 yards out of him. Jamal Charles had four or five big plays. And then on defense, they were absolutely brilliant. This is what the Broncos will be at home all year. They need to improve their road form. I am worried for the Raiders. They, uh, Marshall Lynch, okay, against the Broncos run defense, who are good at home, as we've now seen over the last two games. But Marshall Lynch, nine carries for 12 yards. They've not been able to get that run defense, run offense going at all over the start of the season. They're now missing their starting quarterback for the next however many weeks, and their schedule doesn't get particularly easy uh, after... They've got the Ravens and Chargers over the next two weeks, but then they've got the Chiefs, the Bills, the Patriots, and the Broncos as four of their next five games. He could be missing for all of those. I mean, isn't the deal that he's only going to be out for a couple of weeks? That what they've said is they don't... Basically, initially they said, oh, he's just, just got a bit of a twinge. They've said he could be back in two weeks. It could take up to six weeks. But now, back injuries are notorious as well. We saw this is the same injury that Cam Newton had and only missed one game. It's the same Newton that Tony... Ro- same Newton, the same injury that Tony Romo had in 2014 and came back two games later but then had the same problem three years later and it basically ended his career. So Yeah, I don't think you can afford to take risks with back injuries as a rule. Um, the problem for the Bills is that they're so poorly put together elsewhere and they're not really poorly put together. They just don't play well in these areas. So their defence was, was good against Denver, but I just don't trust their defence and running game to win them a game, which is what you need to do when your quarterback goes down for a couple of weeks. So I think it's the kind of game where if Brandon Williams is out again, then maybe it's different. But if Brandon Williams is back, it's a real opportunity now for the Ravens to bounce back and get back on track at 3-2. and two. But you feel like this could easily become a lost season for the Raiders because they're in such a tough division that if they give up games against the Ravens and the Chargers at home, you, you think that basically ends their hopes? I came pretty close today to dropping um, to dropping the Ravens' defence in one league until I then realised that, A, Brandon Williams was going to be back this week and, B, uh, it was going to be against CJ Manuel. So, suddenly, I felt oh, much I, better I, about I the thought, world. I thought Manuel was astonishingly good. 
like for for what you think that for what you think that he the is, hyperbole is, I mean, is stunning again. <laughs> again, it's based on what you what your expectations are. I'd have expected him to throw an incompletion or an interception on every pass in Denver, and he, he was he was solid. I mean, if there'd have been a penalty on the Jared Cook play, which there probably should have been, then they'd have had the ball first and goal at the one yard line. If yeah. some butts, Sherry. If some butts. Uh, so, who knows? But it's 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 a bad injury and a terrible time for the Raiders on the back of a two-game losing streak. So, yeah, I think a team that we were all high on and thought could really challenge for for the Super Bowl might end up losing their season because of it. In a podcast where my links have been tenuous at best, here comes the most tenuous of them all. Two games left to play, two wins for bird-based teams. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles go to Los Angeles, get a 26-24 win over the Chargers. The Chargers now 0-4 alongside the Browns and the Giants. The Eagles improved to 3-1. and And what was exciting about this game, if you're an Eagles fan, is... OK, LeGarrette Blunt's long 68-yard run inflates his stats somewhat. But overall... Real identity on offense. Ran the ball. Play action. Carson Wentz, great with his legs for a guy who's like 6'5 and, and, and quite lean at 6'5 as well. I just, I was, re- and, and his connection with Zach Ertz looks really impressive this year. Finally seeing the Zach Ertz that we're told we're going to have seen for the last three seasons. I just thought, okay, maybe against Los Angeles you want to get a bigger win than this considering where they are right now. But on that side of the ball, the Eagles were really impressive. Yeah, they've got the the Cardinals next, so it could easily be four and one. I thought the Eagles were were really good, and and right now the Eagles and Washington look like the class of the NFC East by a by a fairly decent margin, I would suggest. So exciting times for Eagles fans, particularly with Wentz having taken good steps in his second year so far. And and they don't have all of their pieces for defense, so so the defense can only get better. But getting Jeffrey and Blunt going. Uh, again, it's taken four weeks for them to do so, but getting them going, I thought, was really key. So it's looking good for them. But the Chargers, I'm just bemused by the Chargers in LA. Again, again, we saw um, that there were more Eagles fans than Chargers fans in there. They were blocking off parts of the stadium, blacking out parts of the stadium, so it didn't look like there. It was it was that empty. It was that empty. It's it's a weird, weird situation that they're there just for the money. San Diego couldn't couldn't have them. What is going to happen to this team? Where are they going to end up? I, it's a strange one. I think the overriding belief has been that there's no way the NFL will backtrack them back to San Diego. But with each passing week, it becomes more and more an option, surely. I mean, it, it is absolutely insane that they're May, there. Maybe it's, they've played it perfectly and now the city of San Diego will pay for a stadium and everyone will be happy. Why would they want them back based on this? I think they'd take them back. I think San yeah, Diego would take them back take in a heartbeat. But, but also... Whether, apparently Dean Spanos is just point-blank refusing to even entertain the idea of taking them back. I, I've got to say, when it comes to London-based potential team. Yeah, I would take the charges tomorrow, guys. Uh, and it, I suppose it's one for uh, another podcast because we're already running long. But the fact that they're a West Coast team, it would mean the redrawing of the divisions, which is always exciting from a geographical point of view. 
<laughs> Ollie, oh, Ollie loves the admin. <laughs> um, the, the game, to be fair, the game looks tight, and that's because the the, the Chargers got all uh, junk timey, garbage timey Dunk. in the fourth quarter. Uh, but yeah, Dunk. all in all, uh, another disappointing loss. And we finish with Colts Seahawks, which for th- for. 2.75 quarters was the <laughs> was the best Sunday night football game of the season. Yeah. And we talked last week with Paul Richardson. Why have your offense run cold for three quarters every time this year? And why do you suddenly get hot right at the end? And it's exactly what happened in this game. It didn't help that Jacoby Brissett, having looked really impressive uh, bar the fumble uh, across the uh, ac- across the course of the game through a terrible interception uh, when trying to force the game. But Russell Wilson picks the offense up off the floor with his 20-odd-yard touchdown run, and then they just put the foot on the gas. They scored 36 second-half points, despite it being tied up at 18 apiece with two minutes left of the, fourth, of the third quarter. And they run out very impressive-looking winners in the end. I still maintain my same points from last week. Great. You do this against the Colts and you pull out a win in a game that it wasn't looking like you were doing well in. If you play like this against good teams, you're going to be too far behind to pull it back. I think what was astute from uh, from Pete Carroll was the game was tight, but that Colts defense had been on the field quite a bit. They looked a little gas. And then he brings in J.D. McKissick, who... Is this it's Ollie, fast... Ollie's smug time, by the way. On J.D. Yeah. McKissick, he made a great call on this on Sunday. <laughs> they bring him in, and he looks nippy and fast, and who knows, up against a, a, a more stout and fitter defence, probably from the start of the game, he'll get stuffed. But I thought that he really stretched it for the Seahawks at a time when they needed to pull away, and they did. Reasons to be cheerful for the Colts, just very quickly. You were very much in this game for two and a half quarters. We were pouring praise on Jacoby Brissett before that pick, which kind of swung the game around. Um, But actually, Vontae Davis was so much a yard off the pace that I think he will improve over coming weeks. And and I still think, you know, yes, you're sat one and three. Uh, but you're going to get Andrew Luck back, and you'll you'll probably get it back to eight and eight, and then you might not fire Chuck McCarno. <laughs> um, but yeah, Se- Seahawks. I don't know about you, Sherry. I think that this this is this still doesn't feel like the get healthy win to me. I think they need to win a game against a good team, and that could be this weekend against the Rams. That's what I need to see. Yeah, this. I mean, the win, the win on Sunday, then suddenly the lead in the division with the tiebreaker. I think this is a huge game for them on Sunday. I mean. If you drop to two and three and the Rams get to four and one, haven't beaten yet, and that further boosts their confidence, then it's looking it's looking difficult. But if you go ahead and win that game, I think we could see Seattle go from strength to strength. Right, that's all the games we've done. All right, well done, everyone. Um, Great job, guys. And, and we've we've already kind of previewed Thursday night football, but can I just get everyone's picks? Um, oof. Uh, ooh, Bucks, easy. <laughs> the 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 periods, but not based on anything that I've seen this season, except for the game <laughs> at New Orleans. It's it's literally it's not based on hard either. It's mainly based on their history in these kind of games where everybody writes them off. Get online and do the Gridiron Picks Challenge because on a week by week basis, you can win prizes with our friends at Football America, and it's well worth doing. The overall leaderboard, Matt Sherry. Is looking very interesting. I, I, uh, I'm now within two points of the leaders. 
with Sherry just one behind me after a brilliant week four for him. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's getting exciting. Well, where Unbelievably exciting. Well, well, no, I do. What about you, me? You are, Ollie. I'm probably on the last page. Last page. I keep going. Just keep going back. I'll go to page 23. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm sure you'll be better than that, Ollie, because the people on page 23 only played for one week by the looks of it. Uh, guys, any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up? What's your pick for Thursday, Will? Oh, uh, I'm going to tell. I'm. It's in Tampa Bay, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't like. I never like picking against the Patriots from a betting man's perspective. But go on, I'll take the books. Why not? Bit of fun. Ooh. Interesting. Um, no doubt you'll change that. Also, uh, just to say, I uh, I did the papers on Alan Brazil this morning. David Chinler is one of the best smelling human beings I've ever met in my life, and I think I might be a little bit in love with him. I, he's a wonderful man. A wonderful man. Have you heard his? His uh, story about dying. Yeah, it is. It's incredible. It's unreal. Man. He, he also has a pretty ample penis as well, doesn't he? There's an image, there's an image <laughs> of so, one lying naked. Not something that came up in conversation today, <laughs> I have to say. But uh, we talked more about the French national team than we did his penis. But uh, a great guy. And just Ollie, you, are you, is fan. your username just Ollie? On yeah. the next challenge. You are yeah, 176 yeah. with 37. If I had 38, which I should have because of the, the lost pick of uh, Pats and Chiefs from the beginning, where, how far up would that take me? One place. Oh. <laughs> 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 well, well no not necessarily one place but one picks. one like it's, it's actually something i was going to suggest sherry i don't know if it's something that can be integrated at this point but doing it as a tied place thing so tied first on 44 tied second on 43 or whatever rather than any, have it any changes to this are going to be done after the season there's we also need a search function where people can just search for their name on the leaderboard uh, but we are we're working on getting a list of things together that'll be implemented next season. We're just trying to get it better year on year, much like NFL teams. Great stuff, guys. Uh, look, thank you so much for listening. Uh, don't forget, Touchdown Trips, great load of packages on there at the moment, so well worth checking out. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in, as always. Tweet us at Gridiron, at Will Gav, at M Sherry NFL, and at Ollie Hunter. We'll be back on Friday with a Thursday night review and a preview of the weekend's games, plus hopefully a couple of guests as well. This has been The Gridiron Show.